Have you dreamed of bigger things for your life? Then you are in the right place. Each week, you will be given tips on how to change your inner dialogue, conquer your goals, and ways to step into a higher version of yourself. I'm your host, Lauren Kubat. I'm a motivational speaker who hosts personal development events. I'm a sought-after fitness instructor, a wife, and a mom of two young boys. I'm obsessed with all things personal development, and I believe anyone can achieve the life they want. Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. I appreciate you. Our guest, she is one smart cookie. And we talk about something that we have not talked about on here before, and that's spirituality. And I know some people might be turned off by maybe spirituality or religion because you might be feeling lost on your journey. And I think Dr. Anna Yusum, she does a great job in at distinguishing between what it means to be spiritual, what it means to be religious, and how they can intertwine if you want them to. Let me give you a little background on Dr. Anna Yusum. She is an internationally recognized, award-winning, board-certified, Stanford and Yale-educated psychiatrist and executive coach with a private practice in New York City and Connecticut. She is a best-selling author of Fulfilled, How the Science of Spirituality Can Help You Live a Happier, More Meaningful Life. On the clinical faculty at Yale Medical School, Dr. Yusum is presently creating a spirituality and mental health center at Yale with clients including Forbes 500 CEOs, Olympic athletes, A-list actors and actresses, and the chairs of academic departments at top universities. Dr. Anna Yusum has helped over 2,000 people in 60 countries achieve greater impact, purpose, and joy in their life and work. You guys, I think you're going to benefit from listening to this episode. We talk about what it means or how it feels to be unfulfilled. What are some indicators of that? We talk about what it means to be fulfilled. Uh, we talk about how to find your purpose and how to become more spiritual. Okay, you guys, enjoy. Hey guys, I wanted to take a second to tell you about a high fiber cereal that I eat almost every day and it's called Moosley. So Moosley is an all natural cereal, meaning it doesn't have preservatives, artificial flavoring, or natural flavoring. It's also gluten-free, plant-based, and it's so good, you guys. Now, not only does my husband and I enjoy it, but I've even packed it in my kids lunch with a single serving of muesli an ice pack and vanilla almond milk in a little container and that's the majority of their lunch now there are so many ways to enjoy it you can eat it as a cereal cold or warm as overnight oats in a smoothie in yogurt and you can even bake with it Fiber is something that is so underrated and in fact only five percent of Americans get the proper amount. Now, fiber helps with so much. It helps in digestion by improving your gut health. It helps you stay satiated and energized. It aids in weight loss and helps fight chronic disease. So to get your Moosley cereal, head to mymoosleycereal.com and use code VISION15 for 15% off your order. That's mymoosleycereal.com and use code VISION15 for 15% off your order. And I'll leave all that information in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. 
Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm so happy that you tune in today. I have a great guest. Her name is Anna Yusum. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Okay. Yes. I'm getting a head nod. Uh, and we're talking about being fulfilled and you wrote a book. I'm in the middle of reading this book on my Kindle and it's really, really interesting. And your book is titled fulfilled how the science of spirituality can help you live a happier, more meaningful life. How does one know if they are unfulfilled or maybe just having an off day or an off season or year or whatever it is, what are some indicators of feeling just unfulfilled? Uh, it's such a good question, Lauren. Yeah, because you're exactly right that all of us as human beings have days when we're not quite on, when we are feeling a little down, anxious, depressed, what be it, right? Whatever it is. And so do we then need to try to find a new life purpose and try to find a whole new way of living life? Or do we just have to figure out how to make ourselves feel good? And so I think, you know, the idea of fulfilled is, I see it, is really living in line with your purpose. And it's actually two things. It's living with your purpose on one hand. And on the other hand, it's also living in line with what I call your soul correction. And your soul correction is that thing which comes up in your life again and again and again, often much to your chagrin and dismay and despite your best efforts to change it. So it's what Sigmund Freud referred to as a repetition compulsion. Those like issues that everybody has that are very individual to them. For some people, it's, you know, finding the right relationship, but that is just the thing that's so difficult. And for some people, it's the idea of feeling independent in relationship that you can be in a relationship, but always be feeling trapped and that that's your soul correction. And for other people, it might be addiction. For other people, it might be difficulty making friends, you know? So your fulfillment, I believe, is a combination of living in accordance with your soul purpose. And your soul purpose is what your soul has come to this world to do. The way that you specifically, given your talents, abilities, interests, experiences, can share your light with the world in the only the way that you can right? Together also with knowing your soul correction and working through that over the course of your life. So if those two things, if you're like, I'm on my path, there are challenges and I'm working through them and I'm living my soul purpose. That is how I define fulfillment. And that's really different from having an off day, an off week, an off month and an off season. If you're ever feeling off for any reason, that's a whole thing of let's figure out then what is a little bit off and how to get you to feel good, how to get things on track so that you can start living the life that you want and feeling the way that you want to feel. Oh, so interesting. So when one is fulfilled, what, how does that look? How are they showing up for themselves and for other people? Yeah. And so let's also be clear. If like the definition of fulfillment is living your soul purpose, and then also being aware of and living your soul correction, it doesn't mean life is always easy. It doesn't mean that you're always happy. It doesn't mean that you don't struggle. It doesn't mean that, you know, there's anything different than an ordinary person going through life, except that you're living with a very specific purpose. Like, you know why you're here and you know what you're doing here. And you also know what your challenges are and you know how to confront them. So that's the thing that you have. That is, I guess, that advantage, maybe above others who don't have that. And how are you showing up for others? You're doing so from a space of knowing who you really are. And therefore, you're able to give others guidance, 
support, wisdom, share your own experience in a way that would be difficult if you didn't have that. Mm. I know some listeners are like saying they don't know maybe what their soul correction is. They're just feeling a little off and they, they can't put their finger on it. And they also feel like that they need to be doing something very audacious in order to be living their purpose. How would you help somebody who are, who's feeling like that? Like I need to be, I don't know, saving the world or doing work that's, you know, moving or, you know, there are people that go to a job, an office job, and they feel like they're not doing their soul's work or they're not living up to their purpose. How would you help them become more aligned and yeah, finding that? Say, yeah, I would say absolutely. So if you feel that your calling is big, wonderful. Talk to other people who have a big calling. How do they get there? Most people will tell you, well, whoever they are, if they're in a big position, they probably started at the bottom, having to do the office jobs, having to get somebody coffee, having to work really long hours, having to do work that isn't always fun, that could be tedious and boring sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't <clears throat> happen overnight that you find your purpose and align with it immediately, right? You really have to be humble and work hard and not get frustrated and not give up. And only then will you get to what you need to be there to where you need to be. Mm. I think that is something you said there was really profound is it, it takes time and you kind of have to start at the bottom and go through it. I was talking with one of my friends, she's a mom and she feels like after having her child, she kind of lost herself. And now she's trying to figure out who she was, who she was, who she is now, what lights her up and it's hard when you're in that, that transition of becoming a new mom, you do lose yourself in a sense, you become this new person and the old you is kind of, um, diminished a little bit. Um, and you know, when she's raising her child, she might not be able to do the things that she got to do before. How, would you help moms or do you help moms who are in this like period, like this almost like waiting period? Like they can't do everything that they want to do because their job right now is raising that child. And, you know, they're committed to doing all the duties of a mom that they can't really might not have the opportunity to pursue all the things that would they would like to right now. How can you help those people feel fulfilled in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's always, it's, it's like a similar question, right? Because there's a difference between how you feel in a moment and then living a life where you feel fulfilled, right? How you feel in a moment, you can feel good. You could feel bad. Hopefully you're going to feel good more often than bad, but you're also human. You're going to feel bad sometimes. And we're being obviously black and white, but like there's going to be times and it could be for, sorry about that. It could be for a week, a month, like a while that you're not feeling great for various reasons. Mm-hmm. But that's really different from actually feeling fulfilled or content, which is living in line with your purpose. So what I would say to moms is if indeed you want to be a mom, it does entail some sacrifices. 
right? And so even if you're not happy every day or every month, or you have to sacrifice things, you know that in the long run, this is what your soul wants. And this is a choice that you've made and you have to align with that, even with the sacrifices that it entails and to keep your eye on the ball. And then of course, while saying that and realizing that to do everything that they can to also make time for themselves, make time for the people they love, make time to go for your mani-pedi, your job, your run, whatever it is that you like to do and do the best to take the best care of yourself possible because as you do that, you'll be a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, a better daughter, better everything. So it's really trying to manage both. But realizing that just like a job, you can't, you know, um, just start at the top and be doing something audacious without working your way up. You also aren't going to be a mom without some sacrifices. So like everything in life entails hard work and starting at the bottom and, and sacrificing. Mm, that's so good. I want to get into the premise of your book and that's how spirituality can help you live a happier and more fulfilling life is would you define spirituality different from religion? And if so, how, how is it different? Yeah. And so for some people, the two are equivalent for some people, they're spiritual precisely because they're religious and for other people, it's totally different. Like there are people who completely not religious. They don't believe in God even. And yet they consider themselves to be deeply spiritual people because of how they relate to nature, because of the meditation they're able to do to connect to the universe and things of that nature, you know? So for some people, they're aligned. For other people, they're totally different. Mm. So how would you define spirituality? Is is the the connection to something higher than themselves? Exactly. Exactly. Connection to something greater than oneself, which could be to God if you are religious or if that's how you define something greater, but it could also be a connection to the universe to a specific community, to a set of transcendent values like hope and trust and love and perseverance um, or a a connection to collective consciousness. Whereas religion often is part of a faith tradition that has certain rituals that go with it and a history and a culture usually. Mm, Yeah, because we're hearing, I think this term used more uh, that they're spiritual. They're not, um, people are saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm more, more spiritual. We're hearing, um, connected to the universe. We're hearing would energy fall into that spirituality component? Yeah, definitely. I think that a lot of people who define themselves as spiritual, but not religious would Mm -hmm. actually say that in part, it's because they feel a lot of energy and they feel the universal energy. They feel really connected to mother nature. They feel connected to something greater. Their life maybe has magic or lots of synchronicities, things of that nature. They believe in signs, but they're not a religious person. They've never gone. Maybe they grew up religious, but they don't go to church. They don't go to synagogue. That's not their thing. Mm. So let's say someone is listening and they want to become more, more spiritual. What are some ways they can do that easy practices that would, you know, help the person that is new to this concept? Yeah. So if someone's interested in spirituality, then the first thing is, what does that mean to you? Right. For some people, it actually means going to church that will make them more spiritual or going to Rosh Hashanah services at your temple or going to like a Sabbath or starting to light Shabbat candles, right? So religious rituals for some people are their form of spirituality. For other people where it's not religious, it's about 
you know, there's many forms of secular spirituality, like meditation and yoga. So practices like that. And then for other people, it's more just like connecting to the universe and feeling one with mother nature. So for some people, it's going on like nature retreats or on like these deep hikes or forest bathing, which is what's prescribed in Japan when someone's stressed out, go walk in a forest, which is called forest bathing. So those are just a few of the things. But there's also like maybe what you're asking is like, how can someone connect to the universe if they want that universal connection and they've never done that before, mm-hmm. you know? And so the answer to that would be to start to do some personal prayer and to pray to, if you believe in God, be it God or the universe, or if there's anybody out there, you know, here's what I'd like you to know about me, but really starting some sort of personal dialogue with something greater than yourself. And you can ask questions. You can ask for signs. You can ask for help with whatever it is that you need help with. So like a personal prayer ritual, whether it be to God or to the universe or something greater, or to become part of a community like that. Would you consider uh, journaling or walking a sign of, or a practice that can help you become more spiritual? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like, journaling, walking, etc. I think those activities really lend themselves to introspection, to knowing yourself better, to connecting to your essence, to connecting to your soul. And a lot of people believe that your soul is a divine spark within you. That's how you connect to the divine is really connecting more deeply to yourself. So absolutely. Those are ways of doing it. Mm. So let's get into the science because you talk about the science uh, behind becoming more spiritual and how it's helped people become happier. What are some studies or stories of evidence where you've seen how when people become more spiritual, they become more fulfilled? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of um, examples of that in my practice Mm -hmm. where people use their spirituality to help them heal from all sorts of illnesses, including mental illness, including anxiety and depression. Um, And when I say that, um, I mean, spirituality as in a belief in God, but also secular spirituality, like meditation. I did a study recently in my practice that was published in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease um, on a number of my patients half of them received treatment as usual. Basically, we continue the work that we're doing. And the other half received treatment as usual, plus these very special binaural beat meditations through this company called Sacred Acoustics. And so binaural beat meditations are kind of like meditation on steroids. They help you to relax and have the effect of meditation, but much faster because of a specific way in which the beats um, are created. So binaural means, you know, usually when you hear a beat, it's like you hear the same beat in both ears. But binaural is when you wear headsets, the beat here is a little bit slightly different than the beat here. And that difference somehow accelerates the rate at which the meditations help your brain. So interesting. Yeah. So it was very cool. And so my patients who use those meditations actually ended up doing better than the patients who received just treatment as usual. Everyone ended up improving, but the ones who got treatment as usual and treatment as usual means, you know, therapy with me as well as medication, if the medication in their condition is indicated. So on top of that, they got some meditation and they all did much better. So 
So that was a beautiful thing to see that something as simple as meditation added to the care that I give to patients helps them to heal. And um, specifically the thing that we were measuring was anxiety. So it helped them to heal from their anxiety. Mm. Why do you feel like people, more people seem to be disconnected from themselves and others um, right now? Yeah, I think we're living in a really, really difficult time. Um, you know, I was looking at some statistics. I was giving this talk yesterday that I told you about at my the power of therapeutic sound. And I was talking about chronic stress. And there was a study put out recently by the American Psychological Association, Psychological Association. Literally, it was done about a month ago. And they polled all these people on how they're feeling about the state of our country and the world. And close to three quarters of people said that they felt that our nation was the worst that it had ever been in their lifetime politically. And that had, of course, effects on how they felt. So I think things are very difficult politically. COVID doesn't make things much easier. The effect this is having on our economy is incredibly profound. People have not recovered from the post-COVID shock of the quarantine and the loss, the grief, the deaths that have ensued. And so people are really in a state of reinventing themselves right now and really trying to get their feet on the ground. So I don't think it's at all surprising how disconnected people can feel from themselves and each other at a time like that. Do you feel like social media has any correlation to how people are feeling about themselves and the relationship they have with others? Yeah, I mean, I think social media, you know, can go both ways. On one hand, it could help people to feel more connected to one another right? And yet at the same time, people can use social media as a way not to connect because they have these false connections, which lead them to believe that they're connected. Whereas in truth, social media, you know, is not necessarily a real connection where you're sitting and looking somebody in the eye and connecting on a deep level. Not to mention that unfortunately, social media also leads people to engage in the compare and despair phenomena where you're looking at other people and comparing yourself and wondering how you measure up, not realizing that what people put on social media is always the best of the best of the best, you know, and it's not representative, unfortunately, of reality, which is why true connection entails vulnerability and intimacy and enabling people to see your imperfections. Totally. I, I want to share this because I don't know if anybody feels this way, but like, I, I try to take one day off of social media, um, a week and it's usually Sunday. And then we went on um, a little trip with our, our family this past weekend. And I took two days off social media. And I just felt more connected to myself and to my family and my surroundings by just taking that time off. And also I was out of routine. I wasn't working, and but I felt like taking that time off of you know, watching what everybody else was doing really helped me focus on like what mattered to me in that moment. And I feel like, you know, if somebody else is listening and they're like, well, I feel disconnected or, you know, I feel like we use social media to um, pass time and we can fall into this trap of like, you know, just um, zoning out, you know, instead of zoning in. So I just wanted to get your, your, um... I love that. I love that. It's, it's so true. It's so true because it's also a technology, right? And there's just something about disconnecting from technology in general, being able mm-hmm. to be in nature, being away from all of the buzz and the lights and the electricity and just being really 
you know, among other people with other human beings, just vibrating in a different frequency. There's something very potent and powerful about that. So I think that's wonderful that you do that. The more you do that, the better. Yeah, for sure. Cause I feel like, well, as, as a business owner too, we become so reliant uh, on that, but it's, it's a trap sometimes. <laughs> so much so, so much so, right. And you could be so productive, but does productivity make you happy a little bit? Perhaps it does, but at the end of the day can also make you feel disconnected. Just like you said. Mm, that's funny that you said that because I have a running to-do list and, um, I feel, I don't know, maybe you can speak on this. Um, but I feel worthy when I am getting things done, when I am achieving and when I'm not, it's very hard for me to feel important or, purposeful. Absolutely. So, which is why, you know, that's the question, does productivity make you feel happy? Yes. To some degree it does. And for most people, productivity is a huge part of their self-concept, their sense of identity and what makes them happy. And rightly so that's great. So be productive, make yourself happy. And then in addition to that, if all your life is about is productivity, especially being on the phone all the time, then you miss the other part of what will make you happy, which is connection. Mm. True. Very, very true. So how did you discover this, this concept in your book, you talk about how, and if you can explain to the listeners, people that have not read your book, how you kind of uh, found this concept of, because for so long you felt unfulfilled and you couldn't really put your finger on it. Right. Absolutely. And so it's like this idea of like filling a void, right? So we're constantly looking for something. And for me, it was when I was in residency and I had everything going for me. I was living the life I wanted. I had a relationship. I was you know, living with my boyfriend at the time in a cute little New York apartment. I was a resident so doing the job that I wanted to be doing to become the doctor I wanted to be. I was healthy. My parents were healthy. Thank God. Everything was good. There was nothing wrong. Right. And yet there's a part of me that still had this nagging feeling like something is amiss. And I think part of that is also just existential angst. You know, by virtue of being human, we are always going to have that void to fill. You know, sometimes I treat addicts. Right. And with addicts, They call this void the God-sized hole, right? Because AA is a very powerful Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. People are often looking to fill a void and they fill it through alcohol or narcotics. And so what AA and Narcotics Anonymous recommend is that God-sized hole, fill it with God, fill it with spirituality, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, that ended up being the case. I mean, I was not an addict in the traditional sense, but certainly I was an achievement addict. I needed to achieve more. I needed to do more. I needed to, to, you know, constantly productivity addict, right? And like I said, productivity will make you happy, right? And this is kind of what I put into this thing that I call in my book, psychological addictions, right? Money, fame, achievement, status, power, all things which are really nice to have in moderation, but they become addictions when the more of it you have, the emptier you feel. Mm. And so that's when even these things that could be really good become not so good, right? And so that was, I feel like what was happening with me that I was becoming an achievement addict and I was doing these things, but it wasn't making me happier. And so I had to retrace my steps. And for me, it entailed really just surrendering and saying, okay, 
I'm not fully fulfilled. What do I need to do to be? And I kind of pose that to the universe. And then shortly thereafter, um, a number of things happened. Like I met a number of people that started opening up the world for me. So that's how I became a member of the Kabbalah Center. So I started learning about Kabbalah, which was a really important part of my spiritual practice for many years. And then I met, actually randomly ran into this very interesting psychic who started teaching me about how the world works from this whole other standpoint. And then I started doing a lot of traveling and the trips took me to ashrams in India and then learning Buddhist meditation in Thailand and then going to um, Israel to learn more about Kabbalah and ultimately, you know, South America, South Africa to work with the different shaman there. And in the course of all that, I realized, you know what, somehow this void of mine that was leading me to feel unfulfilled is being filled and it's through spirituality, but in combination with service. I was um, at the time in my residency and I was able to be much more of service to people. And so that combination of having a spiritual practice, ritual, et cetera, together with being of service to people on a regular basis, to me was what I needed to start to feel fulfilled. Mm, So interesting. So you've traveled to so many places. Where do you feel like, what country have you been to where you feel like those people, they they're on it. They feel the most fulfilled. They are so happy. And then can you speak on where do you feel that most people are uh, struggling? I would say that there are happy people everywhere and there are struggling people everywhere. Mm -hmm. And even in the most war torn, unbelievable places that I've been like Rwanda after the genocide, there were still amazing people who were so strong and so powerful to be able to rise above and still find joy in their lives, you know? And yeah, because people are people and everyone's wired differently. They're different genetically. Their life experiences are different. Their belief systems are different. The kinds of, cultures they occupy and you know encounter are all different so i wouldn't generalize to any particular country or culture some of my favorite places in the world are bali you know because it's so magical and spiritual it's such an amazing place tulum mexico is another place like that um the greek island of kefalonia there's um mount Surat, which is a mountain range like a monastery to the south um southwest um, of Barcelona, like those have been some of the most amazing spiritual experiences for me. Mm. Do you feel like there are different spiritual practices over the, in other countries that we haven't really adapted here in the U.S.? Oh yeah, tons, tons. And you know, you go to a place like Bali, and there are so many amazing healers, so many traditional healers practicing all different modalities. And it's so incredible to behold and to learn. And I feel like we have so much to learn from every culture and you know because everybody has amazing healing modalities that are very culture specific which is why it's so important for us in addition to western medicine which is the standard of medical care in our country which is why it's also you know so important to learn about indigenous practices in other countries and holistic therapies and integrative therapies and culture specific therapies because the world has so much knowledge that is incredibly vast about how healing is performed and what healing really means. Mm, Totally. Do you feel like being spiritual too is about having an open mind and are open to these different modalities? Yes. I'm sorry, I'm plugging in my (laughs) my computer. I just realized it's my plug. Yes, I think that that's absolutely true as well. And um, I think that different people are going to feel more attuned 
with different things. They're, they're going to feel more aligned with this therapy or that. And so oftentimes, like if someone's looking for the right therapist or the right modality, I might give them some recommendations, but I always say to them, choosing a practitioner, choosing a doctor, choosing a therapist is like choosing a spouse. There has to be an amazing fit or it's a total waste of time. So I tell people to be very honest with themselves and really, really um, attuned to what they need. And if they're not feeling something after a few of session or two, it's probably not the right fit. Mm, okay. So what would you say, you talk about some practices in your book, kind of like starters to finding your purpose and becoming more fulfilled. Where can listeners or what can they do to start this path of kind of healing that whole Yeah, I think that, you know, um, in my book, I talk about this concept of a soul, which, you know, interestingly, going through Yale Medical School, doing my undergraduate at Stanford, being a psychiatry resident at NYU, you don't really learn about this concept of a soul, right? That's not really part of Western medicine. And so my whole thing is about helping people reconnect with their own soul. And what that means is connecting to your deepest essence, who you really are on every level. Um, And I can talk much more about, you know, definitions of souls and what it means. And, but one of the ways in which you can start to connect to your soul is on a, and if you don't feel connected already, is on a regular basis to start to ask yourself the question, what do I most deeply want? And just do that on a regular basis, once or twice a day. If the answer is really evident and apparent, keep asking. And then if um, you, the answer comes, say, okay, then I get that then once I get that, what do I most deeply want? And go even deeper and then see how deep you can go in terms of what your biggest, biggest desire is. And also realize that like, it's difficult to go really deep right away. And sometimes your thoughts in your mind will talk to you in metaphors. Like, what do I most deeply want? You're hungry, you want like a burrito, right? But actually underneath that, a burrito also is nurturance, is sustenance. So what you're wanting maybe is nurturance from the universe, nurturance from the people around you. Maybe you want more love in your life. Maybe you want, you know, more sustenance in some way, shape or form. So to also realize that what comes to you might also be a metaphor for something much deeper. Mm, What do I want? That's such a loaded question, right? It's It's, like very deep and there's so many levels to it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, we don't always know what we want. And if we want something, we don't always know if it's good for us either, but it's nevertheless really important to be in touch with that. Mm. I think that would be such a great question to like sit and journal about, you know? Exactly, exactly. And and to do repetitive journaling and see how your answers to that question change over time. Now, is this something that you ask yourself daily? Oh yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's just, you know, I feel like my life is very much about flow and and about intuition, like intuition guides the majority of my decisions as to what I do, who I do it with, when I do it. And so I'm always asking that and feeling in like, you know, should I do this? I feel it. How does it feel in my body? How does it feel like to me? Do I I really want to do this? Mm, So good. 
So where can people find you and, and your book and anything, any events? I think you have an event coming up or you did an event. Uh, last night. The event was last night, but yeah, we'll have many, night. many more. Yes, we'll have many more. Um, and that was a really cool sound healing event with an amazing Balinese sound healer. So we're going to have all kinds of fun and interesting events coming up. But um, my website is AnnaYusim.com, A-N-N-A-Y as in yoga, U-S as in Sam, I, M as in Mary.com. And um, my book is available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And I'm working on a second one now. So we're going to have another one soon. What's the second one about? That one. So the first one was about the science of spirituality. The second one is about the science of miracles. And a miracle is, is defined as something highly beneficial yet statistically improbable. So the question of the book, how can we as human beings draw more miracles into our life? I think that would be interesting to study Mm -hmm. and and searching for that. And yeah, interesting. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I think a big takeaway is really simplifying this, this whole talk and just really asking yourself, like, what do I want? I feel like it's, it's a loaded question, but it's so profound. And I like your response of you may not always know what you want, and it's going to take some deep diving to figure out what it is that, uh, that you want. But I think just starting your day with that and, you know, sitting on it, I feel like the answer will come whether, you know, you believe in it or not. I really think that, you know, what you want. It's just, sometimes we don't always want to hear the answer. <laughs> that's true. And that's really powerful too, that our unconscious or subconscious mind could actually sometimes block us from our own knowing. That's a really, really important point, Lauren. Yes. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here with you. Yay. And you guys, if you love this episode, please make sure you share it on social media. Tell us what you liked about this episode. I will leave our Instagram handles in the show notes. And remember, you got this. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you love this episode, make sure you are subscribed so you know when more episodes come available. My goal is to inspire others to become their vision. And one way to get the word out is with reviews. I would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on iTunes and it would mean so much to me. Thanks again. And remember to go after the life you want. Bye guys. Bye guys.